Welcome to the Soulless Church Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Our passion as a church community is to see Jesus at the center of all things. For more sermon content and information, check out soullesschurch.com. Good morning, church family. Join me in Ephesians 6, 10. Um, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the vows of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for the saints. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. We've been in this series together looking at uh, the armor of God and really this idea of the spiritual battle that we face. And last week, Pastor Andrew preached a message on the sword of the spirit and talked about the rhema word of God. Um, The spirit using the word of God to speak to our specific circumstances to help and for direction as we navigate warfare. There are things that we have on. There are things that we take up. And now, really, we're going to look at what it's all powered by. And specifically, we're told that that's prayer. So we're going to talk about prayer and the spiritual battle. Now, we read uh, for our Advent this theme of peace. And Jesus offers us peace. In fact, the Bible talks about a peace that surpasses understanding. But that passage in Philippians that talks about peace that surpasses understanding is directly connected with prayer. Uh, there's a book I read recently that said that, that was titled, um, I worry about everything um, because I pray about nothing. I worry about everything because I pray about nothing. Because the peace that surpasses understanding is actually says, don't be anxious for nothing, but instead pray about everything and the peace of God will surpass all understanding. So peace is directly connected with prayer. But here we see that our victory over our battles is directly connected with prayer. That there's both victory over difficulties, circumstances, opposition because of prayer, and there's peace in the midst of uh, a difficulty and opposition and battle because of prayer. And so this morning as we conclude this section on spiritual warfare and the battle, we're going to talk specifically about prayer. Before we go any farther, let's um, ask God to just uh, once again be here and uh, speak to us. So Father, we thank you um, for your grace. Lord, we thank you for your mercy that's new each day. And Lord, we do thank you that there's peace that surpasses understanding. And God, would you help us to look to you um, for peace in the midst of whatever we're walking through, Lord, victory over the difficulties and challenges we face. And Lord, just give us a deeper awareness of your presence, who you are, and what you're doing. Holy Spirit, come. And uh, God, we, I pray even now as, as we 
look at your word and there's things that I have planned to say and things that I'm going to say. Lord, would you um, direct our minds towards you, even if that goes off of what I'm saying directly? Lord, would you speak to your people this morning? We love you, God. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Earlier this year, a woman came into our church with a shoulder injury that had been bothering her for a number of years. And uh, she came in, just decided, I want to go talk to some of the pastors. It was a weekday. We were in the office. And we came in. We went into one of the offices. We gathered with the pastors of the church. We anointed her with oil. We prayed for her. And by the time she got to the church parking lot, her shoulder was feeling better. um, And she's been pain-free ever since. My brother Trevor, over five years ago, began dealing with hip pain. Ultimately, he found out uh, that the, his ball in his hip would com- was completely crumbled um, as if he had had a major accident. And he went from doctor to doctor with no explanation, really no good diagnosis. And weekly, those same pastors on staff would anoint him with oil and pray that the pain would go away and nothing happened. A family friend of ours uh, was diagnosed a number of years ago with a terminal form of stomach cancer. She loved Jesus. She served the church. She has six kids. She prayed for healing, and she ultimately died after a long and painful fight with cancer. One of her daughters, about six months ago, was diagnosed with even more severe case of an even rarer type of stomach cancer. After beginning treatment, Receiving very discouraging results and praying a lot, she was miraculously declared cancer-free. This is some of the tension of prayer. We find ourselves in seasons and circumstances where we pray and God miraculously, suddenly, unexpectedly heals or answers and does something. And then we find ourselves praying, maybe even laboring in prayer and finding seemingly no results. And we could all probably fill up stories of prayers answers, answered and prayers seemingly unanswered. But with that tension, we've also probably all seen the power of prayer. And because of the power in prayer, it becomes a serious place for both attack from the enemy and our victory over the attacks of the enemy. Because of the power in prayer, it becomes a serious place for both attack from the enemy and our victory over the attacks of the enemy. Now, the context of this verse is at the end of a long description of the armor we should put on so that we can stand in our faith regardless of what comes. Because we're in a real battle with a very real enemy. And if, if we've walked with Jesus for any number length, or any length of time, we know that there's a very real enemy and we experience very real attacks. And the enemy works in a number of different ways, some of which is he works through deception. He works through difficulty that leads to doubts. And he works through distraction. Uh, deception, the enemy works through lies, lies about you, lies about God, lies about your identity, maybe what God's doing or who he is or how he's working. He works through difficulty. I think one of the real dangers of difficulty in our life is how it impacts our view of God or our faith in God. I think we're probably more resilient than we often give ourselves credit for. But I think the real damage that's done when we experience difficulty in life, like the squeezing that happens in life, the damage happens and how it impacts or affects our view of God. 
The difficulty, I, I think of Job um, that said after all the suffering he went through that the Lord gives and takes away, blessed be the name of the Lord. The difficulty is when God gives or takes away and we begin to doubt the person of God or the way that he works. So he works through, the, the enemy works through difficulty that leads to doubt or he works through distraction. If he can't keep you from God, he wants to keep you from being used by God. So the enemy, he, he, he's real, he hates you, he has a plan against you, he, he wants to either deceive you, distract you, or uh, 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 cause difficulties in your life. There are very real attacks that come. But Paul shows us that because it's a spiritual battle, it requires spiritual engagement. Because it's a spiritual battle. He began with that. We don't wrestle with flesh and blood. The, the difficulties in life that we experience aren't just natural. They aren't just physical. They aren't just the, what we see or what we experience or what we can handle. But it's a spiritual battle. And because it's a spiritual battle, it requires spiritual engagement. And although Paul uses very militant imagery... We shouldn't picture violence when we're thinking about our battle, but rather we should picture silence through prayer. I think one of the, the images that this, this conjures up is the soldier going out to battle, and it might, might make us think like, okay, we have to be like violent. But then he ends it and he concludes it with the whole thing wrapped together with prayer. The way that we actually engage in this battle is not through some natural means, but through prayer. Paul would say it like this to the Corinthians. He says, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. It isn't carnal, meaning it isn't fleshy or physical. It's an invitation into the spirit and into the, and to dependence upon God. So along with all of the armor that we wear and the weapons we carry, Paul gives us a special emphasis on prayer in order to find victory in this fight. A special emphasis on prayer. Now, here I am to tell you from one verse to pray more. This is probably the most obvious statement I could make. right? This is like the dentist telling you to floss. Or the personal trainer telling you to exercise. Like here the pastor is telling you, you need to pray more. You're like, yeah, I get it. And probably no matter how like intimate and, and lengthy your prayer life is, all of us would be like, yeah, I could pray more. Right? Even if we're like, yeah, I pray for two hours every morning, we would go like, but that's still, I could probably pray more. There's always more prayer. We would all agree that prayer is, an, is important, and we would all say no matter how vibrant our prayer life is, we need to pray more. But prayer, listen to me, is not just a compulsory instruction, but it's a beautiful invitation. Um, life coaching is a popular career these days. A number of my friends um, are life coaches. But one of the things they talk about in life coaching is getting people under the bar and then helping them lift the bar. Like picture you're, you're in the gym. Like the goal of the life coach is to get the person that they're coaching under the bar and then helping them lift that bar. And I think oftentimes when it comes to prayer or, or the spiritual life, it can feel like we're watching someone lift the bar and then wondering why we aren't getting any stronger. 
Right? Like, like, it's easy for, like, it would be easy for me to come up here and talk about prayer or maybe give you, like, this amazing person that prays, like, for 50 hours, and they're just this, and you're just like, wow, that's so impressive. But it doesn't actually help us increase our strength in prayer. And so one of the things we have to do is be, as we begin to talk about prayer, I want you to just think for a moment about what it would look like for you to become a person of prayer. Let's just pause just for a moment and, and imagine our life. Like, what would it look like for you to become a person of prayer? What would your life look like in your discipleship to Jesus, life in community, and in your trials if you became a person of prayer? And finally, I wonder what practical steps you would need to take in order for more intimacy with the Father. And just before we even go, kind of like that life coach idea, I don't want to just be up here and like lift bars of prayer and say like, this is what prayer looks like. And you're like, wow, that's so impressive. But I want you to think about what would it look like for you to become a person of, of more intimate, deeper prayer. Now in Luke's gospel, we see that Jesus would often retreat from the busyness of his life in order to spend time in prayer. And this was noticed by the disciples. Listen to what Luke 11 says. Now it came to pass, as Jesus was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. It's an interesting verse. This is the only time in the four Gospels that the disciples asked Jesus to teach them something specifically like this. They don't ask him to teach them how to do miracles or how to teach like him, or how to heal like him, or how to walk on water like him. There, there's no time where they're like, hey, Jesus, that one thing you did was awesome. Will you show us how to do that thing? This is the one time they see his prayer life, and they have a desire for it in their own life. Now, these were first century Jews. Like, they grew up praying. They would have, they would have been in the temple. They would have had uh, the Shema. They would have done all of these things, regularly practicing prayer. So it wasn't like they didn't pray at all, but they saw something about the way that Jesus prayed. They saw something about the intimacy, something about both the intimacy and the results of his prayer that they deeply longed for. And they said, Jesus, would you teach us to pray like you pray? The prayer life and the life of victory in prayer begins with a simple desire and question, teach us to pray. So before we go in, we're going to sort of break down this verse really word by word. Um, but before we go in, I just kind of want to set that foundation of prayer, not as this compulsory instruction, hey, you need to pray more. And I'm this pastor from Vero that comes up here and just like, you need to pray more. And you're like, golly, I get it. Like all of us need to pray more. I should, probably shouldn't doom scroll on Instagram and I should probably pray. I get it. <laughs> That's not the point. The point is as we talk about life and the spiritual battle, but just recognize that it's actually a beautiful invitation to intimacy with the Father, to peace that surpasses understanding in the midst of difficulty, and victory over whatever temptation or trial we're facing. So with all that in mind, that was just kind of my introduction, we'll move quicker. With all that in mind, let's look at the instruction regarding prayer and spiritual warfare. Again, verse 18, let's read it. It says, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit 
being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. First point is praying always. That's where it begins. So he tells us there's things that we are to take up. There are things that we're to put on, but then sort of piecing all of that together, covering all of the armor, covering all of the things that we're doing. He says, praying always. We don't see instruction for casual prayer, but for ceaseless prayer. We're in a real battle that's waging war against our soul. And so we must be in a serious fight. Now, when we hear ceaseless prayer or praying always, that sounds a bit overwhelming. That seems like a hard task for even a monk in a monastery to pray always. So how do we practically pray always? Well, a few sort of ideas of praying always. Number one, it speaks of perpetual prayer. Perpetual prayer. And it's not so much as always praying, but rather an awareness of God in everything and maintaining an open line of communication with God. See, praying always doesn't mean like I've got to clear my schedule and for the next 24 hours, uh, every single day, all I'm required to do is just pray. Pray always. Don't do anything else. Don't eat. Don't talk to your neighbors. Just pray always. That's, That's extreme. That's ridiculous. The idea of praying always is learning to live with an awareness of God in everything and maintaining an open line of communication with God. We understand invisible realities, right? Uh, This is something my baby girl is learning, right? She'll probably learn more in the next few months. But just because mom leaves the room doesn't mean mom ceases to exist, right? We understand that. We understand that if if I walked behind, you know, the curtain back there, you wouldn't think like, oh my gosh, he's gone forever, You think just because I can't see him doesn't make him not real. And and part of the spiritual battle and the spiritual solution is recognizing that just because we don't see it, feel it, or understand it doesn't make it not real. Because prayer can often feel like talking to yourself. Ever felt like this? (laughs) You're praying and you're like, is this just me in here? It's just like self-talk, and you're like, oh, man, where am I going with this? And you get distracted, and then random, you ever been praying, and then all of a sudden you're like thinking about the weirdest things. You're like, how did, what had just happened? And sometimes we feel like prayer is like we have, we leave reality in order to go into our prayer closet. Like we have to leave real life in order to go pray like, oh. I got to leave reality. But prayer is actually becoming aware of a truer reality. You see, just like the the invisible realities, just because you can't see it doesn't make it cease to exist. The same is true with the spiritual reality. Just because we can't see it doesn't make it less real. In fact, we could argue that the spiritual realm is a truer reality than the physical And so when we enter into prayer, we're not disconnecting from reality. We're making our life, our mind, more aware of God's reality, the presence of God, the working of God. And so perpetual prayer is learning to recognize where God is, lean into his leading, and then inviting him into everything that we do. 
We're dealing with difficulty. We're dealing with temptation or trials or opposition and persecution. What do we need? Well, we need to make, we need to be aware of God in everything that we're doing. God, where are you in this? This challenge, this opposition, this confusion. God, where are you? How are you leading me through this? This is the idea of perpetual prayer. But always praying also speaks of persistent prayer. It's first being more aware of God. Okay, God, where are you? What are you doing? Uh, I want to see you in my everyday life. I want to see you when I'm, when I'm alone with my cup of coffee and I'm praying, but I also want to see you in my, in my afternoon uh, uh, meeting or in the, the school drop-off line or whatever your life looks like, this idea of, uh, of constant communication with God. But it also means persistent Back in Luke chapter 11, after the disciples asked Jesus to teach them to pray, he first introduces them to the Lord's Prayer. And then after the Lord's Prayer, he gives two examples of how we ought to pray. And he tells a couple of stories. One of the stories that he tells is about a friend that receives word that he is going to have a guest at his house and he's going to show up in the middle of the night. And he realizes that the guest is coming and he doesn't have any food for this guest. And so as the guest gets, uh, approaches, it's the middle of the night, he goes to his next door neighbor's house and he begins to knock on the door. It's the middle of the night. And he says, hey, I've got a guest. He's showing up last minute. They didn't text. I don't track his location. I had no idea who was coming. Like he just showed up and I don't have anything for him. So he knocks on the door. It's the middle of the night. And the guy responds and he says, Hey, I, I, I'm, we're already in bed. The lights are off, doors locked. I'm sorry, we can't help you. And, and the, he says, what do you do? Well, you keep knocking. You're knocking on your neighbor's door. And eventually, he'll realize that it will be quicker if I get up and I give him the bread and go back to sleep than for me to just wait for him to go away because it doesn't seem like he's going away. This is the story Jesus tells. And then he says... He says, the, the neighbor will finally give you what you need, not because he's a good neighbor, but because he wants you to go away, because of the persistence of the knocking. Now, Jesus tells that story as an illustration of prayer. Now, he's not saying that God is like this annoyed neighbor, that if you annoy him enough, he will give you what you're asking for. The point that he's saying is if your neighbor will give you what you're asking for, how much more will a good, loving, heavenly father give to you what you ask? In fact, he goes on to say it specifically um, in verse 9. He says, so I say to you, this is Luke eleven nine. 9. He says, so I say to you, ask, and it will be given. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. Persistent prayer is defined by asking, seeking, and knocking. What are you praying for? Or maybe more specifically, what are you looking for when you're praying? If you're anything like me, when I want to find something, I'm determined to find it. It doesn't matter. My wife's like, we don't need that. You don't need to find that. I'm like, I can't leave the house without it. We need it. We have like two car key fobs, you know. Um, for my wife's car, and she likes to just leave it in her purse because it's one of those cars where you could just, like, it just opens when you get close to it. Um, and since we've had the baby, it's been, like, our life has just been, I mean, you know, disarray. It's just, like, it is what it is. Front door is never locked anymore. 
But never. We're like, ah, we're too busy. <laughs> we can't. We're like trying to figure this out. But I'm like, where's the key fob? Hannah's like, I don't know. It's in the purse somewhere. I'm like, we need it. I need to lock the house. She's like, it doesn't matter. I get so like fixated. Have you ever been like that? You're just fixated. I need to find it. I need this thing. I wonder when prayer, thinking about it like looking for something, like asking, seeking, and knocking. Sometimes when it comes to prayer, we're like, we, okay, we chucked it up there. Ball's in your court, God. And uh, I mean, I guess we'll see, we'll see what happens. No, Jesus invites us into persistent asking, seeking, and knocking. Which leads to the third point of always praying is perseverant prayer. This is what Paul brings up in this verse. Perseverance speaks of endurance. Sometimes we say our prayers and we walk away. We think, God, whatever, I'm out of it. It's your hands now. But we must be faithful to pray, listen to me, through dry, difficult, and even doubtful seasons. We need to learn to be faithful to pray, praying always through dry, difficult, and even doubtful seasons. Again, we're talking about spiritual warfare, and we need prayers that will sustain us through the attacks, discouragement, and difficulty we face. Perseverance in prayer is not just the ability to be long-winded in our prayers, but to not allow the difficulties or distractions of the day to keep us from our prayers. I think sometimes when we think about praying always, like we need to carve out hours to pray. No, no, I think perseverance in praise, prayer looks like I'm going to make sure I show up and I pray every single day, whether that's for an hour or whether that's for five minutes, regardless of the difficulty in my life or the distractions of the day, I'm going to pray because I'm trusting that God wants to meet me where I'm at and he wants to give me victory over what I'm facing and he wants to bring me peace in the midst of whatever I'm walking through. So Paul says, how do we deal with the spiritual battle when it comes to prayer? Well, first, we've got to pray always. The secondly, uh, it's in the spirit. Praying always, then he gives us some description of that with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. Now, the idea of in the spirit, we could probably say a lot about praying in the spirit, whether it's uh, praying in the sense of like, Um, being led by the Spirit as we pray. Uh, It could be maybe praying in another tongue as we pray. There's a lot of things we could say about praying in the Spirit. I just want to suggest two that are helpful when it comes to praying and spiritual battles. So we probably go all day about praying in the Spirit. So just two when it comes to that. Number one, praying in the Spirit speaks of our identity. Speaks of our identity. Paul says in in Romans that the spirit who as a result of Christ's triumph has come to the church is the spirit of adoption, enabling the Christians to come to God as father. That the spirit is actually the spirit of adoption that allows for us to come to God as father. That's what Jesus teaches us in the Lord's Prayer. The disciple says, teach us to pray. And he begins, when you pray, say this, our Father. The word both Paul and Jesus uses is the word Abba, which is an intimate name for father. It's like dad or for a young child saying daddy. Some suggest that Jesus in, in Luke's gospel or in the Sermon on the Mount when he, when he teaches us the Our Father, the Lord's Prayer, is the first teacher in history to refer to God in this way. The, the, the first teacher in history 
to call God as Father, Abba, this intimate form of relationship, that there's no record of anybody else, any teacher saying God in that way. Our prayers, praying in the Spirit, should stem from our identity. Listen to me. If you're a follower of Jesus, you're a beloved child of God. He has adopted you into his family. You are joint heirs with Christ. We have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places through Christ. And this should give you a boldness in your prayer. You have access to the Father. And not just access, but intimacy with the Father. Because you have access as a child, you have access to all that he has. God invites us in. He says, you're a beloved son or daughter. You're a part of the family. And because of who you are, because of your standing, because of your identity, you have access to all that God has. Uh, Just this morning, Jimmy said to me, um, he said, let me know if you need anything. And he says, you have access to anything that this middle school cafeteria has to offer you. (laughs) Whatever this middle school has to offer you, it's available to you. Man, our Heavenly Father says, you are welcome, and whatever I have, I have to offer you. It's available to you as you walk with Him and as you seek Him. And so praying in the Spirit. Again, we're talking about spiritual battles, difficulties, life, circumstances, uh, or being overwhelmed, temptation. We need to pray always. Well, what does that look like? Well, we pray in the Spirit, knowing who we are in Christ. Can I encourage you this morning? You are a child of God. You have access to Him. Secondly, I think in the spirit, again, speaking of the spiritual battles, speaks of unspoken prayers. Paul says again in Romans, he says this, Romans 8, verse 26, he says, Likewise, the spirit also helps in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. Have you ever been there? Like sometimes you're just like, I know I need to pray, I just don't even know where to start. Right? Maybe it's a the, the, just the the darkness or difficulty in life. And you're just like, God, I don't even know, I don't even know what to say. A friend of ours is pregnant at the same time as my wife was, ended up having uh, the, the baby three months early, and he's been uh, on a ventilator, surgery after surgery, just, they're just trying to keep him alive. And every day they post updates, and they're saying that if one thing goes well, he'll hopefully get off the ventilator in the next month. If not, it could be years. Just seeing this, I I just look at him just like, I don't even have words. I'm looking at our healthy little baby girl and just thinking about this, and just I literally, I just don't even have words. Just God help. But God, God, would you do something? Sometimes life is like that. It's just, there's just no words. I don't even know what to pray. I know I need to pray. I don't even know where to start. I don't even know what to say. He says, for we don't know what we should pray for as we ought. Listen, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Something in your life is just so difficult. It's so real. You feel too overwhelmed. There's no words. Praying in the Spirit, listen, is trusting that the Spirit actually speaks on your behalf and He can translate your groans and your weaknesses and make sense of it. He actually can translate those feelings, that overwhelming, just God help. And He can articulate it. He can 
but he, he makes intercession for us. You know, the longer you know someone or the closer your relationship is with them, the less you have to say. Have you noticed that? I remember when my wife and I were first dating, we'd be in the car and the silence would be so awkward. Right? We both of us just thinking about what the next thing we're going to talk about would be. You ever been there and you're like, Ugh, like that feels like eternity. I don't even know what to say, but I'm trying to think of something to say. Like the, we already talked about the weather. Like we need something new. <laughs> but the longer we've been together, the more comfortable we are in just each other's presence and in the silence and the less words we have to say in order to communicate. My wife and I have been together for married almost 10. We've been together for almost 12. Like, she can look at me, and I know what she's saying. (laughs) Got it. (laughs) Yep, I I got it. I'll shut up now. Right? Like, there doesn't even need to be words. (laughs) And the more comfortable we are, we'll go on car rides now, and sometimes we don't even speak. We're just happy in each other's presence. Here we are, especially when the baby's, like, quiet. We're like, the whole drive down here, I didn't listen to any music, just silence. <laughs> just like, praise God for silence. <laughs> but the key, the, the point I'm trying to make is taking those groans, those frustrations, those feelings to God in prayer and allow his Holy Spirit to interpret, to take those, those groans that can't be uttered and translate them into prayers, him making intercession for you. But praying in the Spirit comes first from your identity is a spirit of adoption. You're a child of God. But it also speaks of just those times of prayer where it's like, God, here I am. The third thing I want us to notice that Paul says, he says, praying always in the spirit. And then he says, being watchful. Being watchful. Again, one of the primary attacks of the enemies that we face is through distraction. He wants to keep you from the presence of God through prayer because of the Power of prayer. Probably one of the things that causes us to doubt prayer is that we don't understand it. At least this is one of the, the tensions I sort of feel when it comes to prayer. Because how can an all-knowing, sovereign God be influenced by the prayers of finite and fickle humans? Right? Like uh, this thought alone. I think, can keep us from praying. Uh, Like God has to sit, like sometimes the the prayers we pray are probably the exact opposite of what God's planning to do. Right? Like, and somehow God sifts through and sorts through and knows, but I think some of the things that could keep us from praying is just like, how does this whole thing work? How How does my little prayers actually move the hand of God? How does what I'm in, how does prayer actually accomplish anything? Now, we may not understand how our prayers are heard, received, and then carried out, but I, I am pretty sure that the enemy has some sort of clue how they work. And so he loves Christians that don't pray. So Paul's instruction is really simple. Be watchful to pray. Build prayer into your life. Uh, Baker Encyclopedia of the Bible says it like this. The only warrant for for praying at all is that God commands it 
and desires it, and the only warrant for praying for some particular thing rather than some other thing is that God wills it or may will it. The only sort of rationale behind the way prayer works is that God commands it and God desires it. So what does Paul say? He says, be watchful to pray. In other words, be attentive to pray. Literally, the idea of watchful to pray is to be sleepless when you pray or awake when you pray. Think of Jesus to the words, uh, or the words to the, his disciples as Jesus is agonizing in prayer in the garden. We know the scene. Right? There he is on the night he's going to be betrayed, ultimately crucified, and all the things that he would endure. And there he is in, in the garden praying, pleading with God. We're told that it was so intense, the pressure was so intense that he was sweating drops of blood. And he goes away into, into, uh, to pray. And he comes back out. And it says this, Matthew 26. Then he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, what? Could you not watch with me for one hour? Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing but the flesh is weak. Jesus says, what, you couldn't, you couldn't watch and pray for an hour? Now, that's, that's kind of intense, isn't it? Like an hour for some, like if we could successfully pray for an hour, we'd be like, I'm killing it. Well, I mean, right? I, just this point, I said I, I drove here in silence. Part of that was on purpose. Part of it wasn't. I, my plan was for the first half of the drive was to, to ride in silence, and then I was going to turn on whatever I was going to listen to. And I, I stopped at a rest stop, and I started going. Our car, like, wigged out the Bluetooth. This couldn't connect. And so the rest of the drive, the second half of the drive, I, ha I was forced to ride in silence. That was not my plan. I and I'm like, I prayed the first half. Like, I was planning to listen to music the second half. Like, this whole drive seems a little excessive. <laughs> yeah, like, praying for an hour. That's what he said. Like, you couldn't watch and pray with me for a whole hour. But notice that the, the point is not that. Jesus says very clearly, watch and pray, lest. Why? Why should we watch and pray? Because that is the antidote, he says, to temptation. The antidote to temptation is to be attentive to pray. I would encourage you just really practically have a plan to pray. Maybe you find yourself like having a desire to pray, but you have a difficulty actually carrying out that desire. Just make it really practical. Have a plan to pray. Maybe journal. Maybe habit stack your prayers in the sense of attach it with something else you always do. Like I always make a cup of coffee or I always go on a walk or I always, whatever you're, whatever there's like a consistent Maybe it's brushing your teeth. You always brush your teeth. I'm going to put the things I need to be praying for on a sticky note on my mirror just to remind myself to pray because I'm going to brush my teeth. Whatever it looks like, have a plan to pray. Maybe have a designated place or a designated time that you say, I'm going to pray at this time. Be watchful. Have a plan, he says, lest you enter into temptation. All right, point number four, we'll close with this. Um, he says, with supplication for all the saints. He says, praying always. In the spirit, being watchful with supplication for all the saints. Now, prayer is a category word like food, right? But with, within prayer, there are all types of prayer, right? So if I say, come over to my house, we're having food, you'd understand, okay, we're going to eat something, but I have no clue 
exactly what, what we're going to eat. So prayer is kind of like a, it's a category word. It's, it's basically all forms of relational communication to God. But then within prayer, there's all sorts of different types of prayer. And the types of prayer actually helps us frame our prayers. Let, let me give, a, give us a couple of types of prayer. Number one um, is adoration. A type of prayer is adoration. This is prayers of praise to God. Simply telling God who he is. Now, this isn't for God's sake. God doesn't need you every single morning to remind him of who he is. He knows. This is to remind us of who he is. We go to God and we say, God, you are father. You are good. Your mercies are new each and every day. You've adopted me. You, you, you have made a way for salvation. God, you uh, forgive me of my sins. God, you're the creator. You're the sustainer. You are, you have, you are, all things are from you and by you, and you hold all things together. You span the universe in your hand. Like these don't, God's not like, oh, yeah, I forgot about, that was a good one. I forgot about that one. Thank you. No, no, no. This is as we begin to pray. And as we, before we even bring our problems to God, if we could just remind ourselves who God is. God, this is who you are, this is adoration. Uh, secondly, a type of prayer is confession. Confession is telling God where we've fallen short so that we can receive his grace in our personal lives. God, we thank you that your mercies are new each day. God, this is where I need your mercy. Forgive me for this. This is, I, I lashed out here. I was, I was jealous here. I was envious there. Whatever it looks like. And then third, there's thanksgiving. This is thanking God for the ways that he's been faithful in our own personal lives. Like, God, thank you for the roof over my head, or thank you for my job, or thank you for my family, whatever it looks like. And then fourth is supplication or inter intercession. These are specific requests to God for our own needs or for the needs of others. And, and when you pray these things, especially I pray these things like uh, in a list, it's a it technically is an um, acronym or whatever. It just says ACTS. Um, and I actually put an exclamation point in my prayers at the end of it. So A-C-T-S exclamation point. I heard somebody say recently, um, if God were to miraculously answer all of your prayers from today, right now, how different would your life actually look? And I was kind of like, ugh. Like, Maybe not that different. So the exclamation point is some people call it like impossible prayers. What are the things that you, you just, God, this seems impossible, but I'm praying for it anyways. So, so it's, a, it's kind of like a flow that you can pray. Pray adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. Usually by the time I get to supplication, my own personal needs, everything has been framed. <laughs> God, this is who you are. This is how I've already received your grace. This is the things you're actively doing in my life. So when I come to you with my situation, it's already being put into perspective. But Paul describes prayer and supplication for yourself and supplication for all the saints. And Paul uses a few words in this one verse to talk about prayer. The point and the reason I bring up all of that is this. When it comes to spiritual warfare, we need to pray all kinds of prayers. When your life is overwhelming or difficult or full of doubts and discouragement, or more specifically, you feel attacked by spiritual powers and rulers of darkness, there comes a time where eloquence goes out the window and we need prayers of desperation. 
So use every type of prayer you can think of. Group prayer, individual prayer, silent prayer, shouting prayer, walking prayer. Like whatever it looks like, there comes a time in our life where, it, I just, God, I just need you in my life. Do you know what a really helpful prayer is? God, help. <laughs> you can feel free to use that whenever you'd like. God, help. I need you. This is going on. I'm feeling tempted or I'm feeling tested or I'm feeling overwhelmed. God, help. But Paul's instruction is clear that we are to be in prayer, not visiting and exiting prayer. You need to be in prayer. What I mean by that, to sort of use Paul's metaphor as a soldier, and I'll invite the worship team back up. I'm going to close. But to use Paul's metaphor of a soldier, if all other things are the armor and the weapons, prayer is essentially the basic training. If all of these things is, is the armor and the weapons, like what you're going to use in the battle, the prayer is the, the tactic, the skill, the things that you have to carry you into battle. The worst time to learn how to use a sword would be when there's an enemy standing against you with a sword drawn, right? <laughs> Let's put it in sports terms. Like the worst time to like learn fundamentals would be in the game. Like you would want to make sure you have all those basic things like dribbling or, or shooting or whatever it looks like down <laughs> before we start the game. And the point I'm trying to make is not that, like, you're not supposed to pray in the midst of the battle, but when we, it should be what fuels us through the battle. That it shouldn't be something that we're trying to learn. It should be a well we draw from as life gets difficult. Because unless you were born yesterday, you know that life is, has difficulties and will have more difficulties, right? Like, we're, like we're not naive. We know life is hard. And if we're not currently facing something difficult, we should probably live with an expectation that we probably will face something difficult. And so the invitation, again, is to prayer. As the fuel, as the source, as the foundation that then carries us to utilize and access the armor that Paul so vividly describes for us. Praying always. In all prayer and supplication, in the spirit, being watchful. And then he says, and in supplication for all the saints. One of the ways to find victory and strength in your own situation is by joining in prayer in someone else's situation. We need to join in the battle with one another in prayer. Sometimes it's so easy to get fixated, right, on our own, our own struggles, our own situations, our own problems. And I'm not saying that to minimize what you're walking through. I recognize we're walking through all sorts of different things. Some of the things you're walking through right now goes into the category of groans that can't be uttered. Maybe it's one of those things that even if we we're talking about it, it's like it hurts so bad that like you... Put that, you think about these things in a church service, that's something that you like leap. Like, I can't even think about that one. 
Like, I'm not trying to minimize what we're walking through. But I am saying there is something beautifully powerful about followers of Jesus joining together and praying for one another. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. Being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Can I encourage you, whatever you're walking through, whatever challenge or difficulty you're facing, one, God already knows about it. (laughs) Two, he's invited you into relational communication with him that stems from your identity, that stems from what he has, that he can, that he can move and he can act and he, he, his, his hand is not short that he can't act or, or, or not strong enough to carry. He is, he can handle it. So we can go to him and we can trust him. But can I also encourage you, let's get our eyes off of maybe our own difficulties and battles and faces and look, pray for one another, all the saints. And I like this because it's kind of a general prayer. Like this is just, okay, you're dealing with difficulty and, and, and trials and temptation. Just pray for all the saints, <laughs> all the saints. Like it's kind of almost, it's less specific. Like pray for your buddy that's going through something and just pray for Christians as a whole. Now, he's going to get specific in the next verse. Pastor Andrew will talk about that. But in the next verse, he will get specific about prayer. But just generally as we pray, sort of open door, I just want to encourage you to step into that beautiful invitation of prayer and trust that God has exactly what you need and strength to overcome, victory over the trial, and then secondly, peace in the midst of it. And I began with those sort of tensions in prayer. My brother, Trevor, who, who had the, the hip uh, pain and struggle, he ended up after f- over five years of, of going to doctors and with nothing, they finally diagnosed it. He needed to get um, hip, a hip replacement. He's 27 years old, full hip replacement, and they told him that um, it's going to be intense, uh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be recovery, and because you're so young, you'll probably have to get multiple throughout your life. Like at least one more, if not two more, um, hip replacements throughout your life. Um, he said, he would say that during that time, before he even found out the solution, he found God's presence in the midst of it. Now, he, he's got the hip surgery. He's doing a lot better. He's like praying and optimistic that he's going to be able to play softball by, the, uh, by January. That's like his big goal. Like, I'll be able to play softball again. Um, but he found peace in the midst of it. And oftentimes prayer leads us, maybe not out of it, but peace in the middle of it.